Okay, go ahead and grab your Bibles if you would, and let's open them to the book of Luke and chapter number 8. Book of Luke chapter 8. All right. Well, I'll tell you this, I'm encouraged, and I, I appreciate you um, one thing I have learned is, um, as I've uh, as I've been doing my traveling, you know, I'm a uh, I'm a um, I'm a big time evangelist veteran. I think I've done it five years, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm on year number six. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing I've learned is that um, fellow preachers, you may not think this, but other preachers, they're actually more normal than you might think. Um, you know, and I say that because sometimes we look at um, other preachers and we just assume, well, they are just they're on a different level of than I am, and they're, they must aspire to things and uh, have prayers answered and do things that, that would never me never. Uh, that's, and I found that is so not true, because uh, I know me, and I, just, I know how weak I am, and uh, I know my failures, my faults, and, um, and uh, I'm, uh, so you encourage me. I just want you to know that you encourage me, and I want to look at uh, a passage of scripture. And I, and honestly, this is um, I plan on I plan on being short with this. Um, you keep keep your Bible open, Luke chapter eight, because we're just going to kind of um, uh, work our way down. We're in a, uh, a story of Jesus, and honestly, this is something that I think goes right along. I have a, I've really appreciated just listening even to the um, uh, just testimonies of miracles of what God what God has done. And um, one of the things that, I'll tell you this, one of the things that I do, I am oftentimes um, very presumptive of on God. I really am, because I think, um, don't I deserve better? Should, I, I don't know if you've ever thought that. You know, all you, uh, all you, you know, maybe you keep your hands down on this one. I don't know if I ask how many of you are pre- presumptive on God, expect him to do better for you. I know my hand would have to go up. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we... Um, uh, we are not satisfied with what God does for us. And, um, but you know something that I think has been great to see is that, uh, even as we've talked here, is what God can do. And we never know what he will do or the way that he will do it. But um, God always has, one thing I, I tell teenagers a lot is God has an end game. Uh, that's a word that, uh, an end game is a word that uh, especially is kind of popular right now with young people is um, God has an end game in mind and he knows what's coming. He knows how, how to get there and he knows how allowing things into your life will change you so that you're better prepared even for helping others. I want us to look here at Luke chapter 8. Um, one of the things that's been going on here in Luke chapter 8, of course, you have, um, uh, we have some um, parables of Jesus, some preaching and teaching of Jesus. We have some miracles. Uh, in uh, Luke chapter 8, we have um, Jesus um, calming the waters. We have the man who's possessed by the demons uh, in Luke chapter 8. And that brings us down to Luke chapter 8 and verse number 40. So Jesus has been doing uh, these things and uh, doing some neat things. People are seeing what God is doing. And uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40 says this. It says, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting 
for him. I don't know if you have um, an imagination. Some of you, maybe you don't have any, and it must be boring <laughs> to be you if you don't. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, sometimes I just look at a scene. One of the things I love, I love history. Uh, math is not my thing. I just, uh, I, I don't do math. Um, but I love history and uh, just knowing culture. One of the things that I've been learning more is, of course, learning and understanding some of Jewish culture. And just, and it's just putting your mind back in. Sometimes it's easy to forget that the people back in Bible times had a brain that fired kind of like yours. You know, it was a brain and they were human beings. They had the same emotions and they had, of course, a different culture, a different way of thinking. But there were some things such as it says at the end of verse 40, they were all waiting for him. You know, here's Jesus. He's done these miracles and, you know, they just want to see Jesus. Verse 41 says, and behold, there came a man named Jairus. And uh, I don't know, maybe you've, how many of you are at least familiar with the story of Jairus and his daughter? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Notice something that's very important to realize. It says, and Jairus, it says he was a ruler of the synagogue. Now listen, I don't know all of what all of his job was, but can I tell you this? As a ruler of the synagogue, this man was probably under a decent amount of pressure to um, join in with, um, we got to figure out a way to get rid of of this, uh, of this prophet, preacher, weird person named Jesus. So there's probably a lot of pressure on him to fall in with that crowd. And so he's a ruler of this. So understand who he is. He's not someone, uh, he's not just some kind of beggar person who just heard, oh, my daughter's sick. He's probably a wealthy man. And he has, and he has, and he, but he knows his Bible. And he's, as a ruler of the synagogue, it says, it says, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. Now, again, I, don't, I, I have not um, specifically looked up what exactly in the ruler of the synagogue was, but I'll tell you what. The, I know at least for the Pharisees at that time, which may have had a little bit of a higher rank than the ruler of the synagogue, those Pharisees, they, people sometimes would bow to them. And here he is as a ruler of the synagogue. He bows to Jesus, falling down at his feet, and besought him that he would come into his house. Why? For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it is those moments... It's those moments when, uh, uh, when death is very close, when things are at their worst that you eventually say, you know what, uh, you know, I don't care about what anyone else thinks. If, uh, if this is going to work, I'll take it. You know, where you, you come, and so he comes to Jesus, and he, sa- and he says, um, he comes because she lay a dying. He says, but he went, uh, but as he went, the people thronged him. So the crowd, of course, they've seen these other miracles, they're piling in. Verse 44 says, um, or verse 43 says, and a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which has spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him. So we have a woman coming, uh, it says she has an issue of blood, probably something to do with just the women's needs. Okay, let's put it that way. Because I've heard, I had one person say, you know, it's a, like maybe a hemorrhage uh, of some kind of like a inner, inte- you know, like inner, um, maybe digestive kind of thing, hemorrhage. That would have, um, if that was going on, it wouldn't have gone on 12 years. It would have killed her. This would have been, can we say this? This would have been a situation that this woman would have been very embarrassed and very stressed, very drained and fatigued all the time because of this probably would have kept her very unclean and unable, unable, especially ceremonially unclean, unable to participate in the things of, in, uh, in the things of, um, 
the synagogue and such. She has spent all in physicians. And it says she came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. So it means that she was healed. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, uh, Mass, can you imagine the, the, the throng around him when Jesus says, Who touched me? And all these guys be like, Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't, me. <laughs> it wasn't him. I wasn't me. And so, you know, all these people saying, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't me, which is kind of weird. I don't know. It's just, I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, it really honestly sounds like a bunch of kids, you know, thronging around and who just, you know, who just did this? Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And so here's all these Jews. It wasn't me. And uh, so it says, um, so it says, P- Peter said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest thou, who touched me? You know, Peter's very practical with this. And Jesus said, somebody has touched me for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. In other words, he says, I realize that I, you know, I've healed someone. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith, uh, thy, uh, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. Neat. Did y'all forget about Jairus? Because, you know, isn't it amazing in the midst of all this, here's Jairus and he is pleading with God and he's pleading with, uh, he's coming and he's trying to tell Jesus about his need, about his daughter uh, who lays, who is laying dying. And um, this woman gets in somehow and is able to, could we almost say distract, get the, not distract maybe, but get the attention of Jesus. And so here's Jairus, um, uh, you know, and so here's Jairus, you know, he may be frustrated, maybe he's waiting on Jesus and it's taking time. And so it says in verse number 49, it says, while he yet spake, while Jesus is speaking to this woman, uh, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. I'm going to tell you what, if I was dad, you know, having kids and, uh, you know, there's a part of me that would say, woman, why are you here? Right? Wouldn't you? Why do you have to take up the Jesus time when I, maybe I could have gotten him to my house. You know, Jairus, I wonder if Jairus must have thought. That everything was over when his servants told him his daughter was dead. I wonder if he would have been maybe frustrated at the crowd. Obviously, I would think maybe frustrated at the woman who had slowed, who had slowed him down. But, you know, honestly, do you know what, um, uh, what should have happened is being able to see Jesus heal this woman. Can I tell you what? It ought to have encouraged him that God is a God of miracles. You know, um, sometimes I look at other people, I hear testimonies like this, and, you know, isn't it easy to look at other people and say, wow, must be nice that God did that for you, (laughs) don't we? And uh, instead of that, and, and so we don't know all of what was going through his mind, I'm just, I'm just telling you, I just know that Jairus had a human brain and human emotions like I did. And I, and I don't know all of what he was thinking, but seeing this woman healed should have encouraged Jairus that Jesus could do anything. The Bible says then in verse number um, 50, 49, he says, thy daughter, the servant said, thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only. By the way, that word believe is a word that means trust, depend. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean you know like the the world uh, you know like our our um, our uh, movies and Hollywood culture talk about. I'll oh, just believe in yourself, boy. If you just believe enough, anything is possible. If you just believe, and they don't have any idea what they're talking about with that. Okay, um, the word believe when Jesus says, "Don't fear," because fear 
And doubt is the opposite of belief. Fear, doubt, unbelief, that is the opposite of belief. Trusting and dependence. Jesus is saying, trust and depend. He says, and she shall be made whole. So verse number 51, when Jesus was come into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden, of the girl. So it says, and all wept and bewailed her. Now hang on. Okay, so we've got dad, mom, three disciples, and Jesus. Okay, so we got these six people going in. And it says, all wept. Well, who's the all? Okay, um, so it really probably is not the disciples talking about because they don't really have a connection to this girl. And, you know, they've just walked in and Jesus, of course, is not weeping. Father and mother might, might still be weeping, um, but it says all. And I think that's more than just two because one of the things, if you're wealthy, is we don't do this today. But back then, they would pay people. When someone died, they would pay people to come to the funeral and cry. They were professional criers. How many of you know someone who can cry if you just ask them to? Anyone know someone? Yeah. You want to point fingers? Anyone want to point at the person? Yeah. Uh, you know, how many of you are like, I cry, I can cry just about anything. Anyone like that? You know, if, if something happens, yeah, I just cry. Yeah, raise her hand. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. She raised her daughter's hand. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, these were professional criers. Like, they would come in and just weep and make noises. And when they were done, they say, "Okay, that'll be you know forty nine ninety nine." Literally, that's what these people were. I mean, this is um, uh, this is you know, in our culture, that's just something odd. So they all wept and bewailed her. He said, "Weep not; she's not dead, but sleepeth." Now, obviously, she had passed away. She was dead, but Jesus is just saying is basically coming in. Maybe there's a little bit of frustration and annoyance on Jesus' part, saying, "Kind of." Would you stop? Okay. Uh, she's not dead. She's sleeping. And the idea was Jesus already had plans. I'm going to heal. I'm going to raise this girl to life. You want to know if they were professional criers? It says, and they laughed him to scorn. So as soon as they were crying, oh, what? what? This guy's nuts. You know, they immediately could go from, from crying to laughing. These were some special emotional people that, um, what a waste of money. And it says, and they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. It says, Oh, this is great. And he put them all out. Okay, now that's a short little phrase. Do you know what it means when it says, and he put them out? That means Jesus said, get out. And you know, the professional guy's like, I'm being paid $49.99. I'm here, to, I'm here to cry. I'm here to cry. And you know, Jesus, it says, Jesus put them out. Use a little bit of imagination. I don't care where, you t- where that takes you, but just imagine Jesus did something and made sure every last one of them got out. And it says, he took her by the hand and called and saying, "Maid, arise. And in verse number 55, her spirit came again. She arose straightway and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. And he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Can I just say this? This was something that actually, it was a passage that uh, someone else uh, actually shared at, a, at, a, at an event and he said this, after going through this passage and looking at it, you know, it was, you know, this is probably maybe a familiar, uh, familiar story and such. And you know, he made this statement and it is just as profound as ever. Is it simply this? Nothing is over until God says it's over. Nothing is over until God says it's over. He also said, it's always too early to give up because God can do anything. Let me be real careful here and just say this. I cannot tell you what the will of God is in your situation, but I know this. 
Nothing is over until God says it's over. You know, can I encourage you with this? Don't give up on praying for a wayward child. Because it is not over until God says it's over. You know, um, for some of you, you don't need, uh, uh, for some of you, a miracle, you don't need to be thrown off a, thrown off a bike and, and sliding however many feet and then get whacked by it again for you to have a miracle. Some of you, it would be a miracle enough if someone you loved came back to God. Wouldn't that be a miracle enough? It's not over until God says it is. So pray on. Pray on when other people are getting blessed. When other people give testimony and say, God delivered so-and-so. And you look and say, what about me, God? Because my situation just got worse. Pray on because it's just not over until God says it's over. Maybe it's a wayward child's heart. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's someone who you love who just is not saved. Doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. You know, it's real easy as other people say, wow, you know, um, uh, you know uh, as other people say, wow, you know, so-and-so, uh, so-and-so got, got saved. I got to lead so-and-so to the Lord. And, oh, wow. Don't get discouraged. Because it's not over until God says it over. In fact, what that should do is encourage us. Like this issue with the woman should have encouraged Jairus that God could do anything. Should encourage us that God is still on the throne. I know I look at my four-year-old and I just think, <laughs> help. <laughs> and uh, I hear, I remember here, now that I think about these things, because I, I, I think about these people who talk about, well, I got saved when I was four, I got saved when I was five, and I look at my four-year-old like, how in the world did you process the gospel? And I look at my son and just think, how did you process the gospel at, your, at that age? And some people did. And you know what? Honestly, it should encourage me. God, God can do miracles. God can do miracles. He can, he, can say, he can save sinners. Don't give up on praying about a disease, a handicap, uh, damage to your body, as we've heard, I've heard from the testimony, which I really appreciate you taking time to tell us these, the details and giving glory to God. Don't let up because it's not over until God says it's over. Don't let up praying until God says it's over. Hey, listen, don't give up when finances are in the bad Finances are hard. I have this written down. I don't even know what your testimony would be. It's not over until God says it's over. So pray on. Be encouraged of what God does in other people's lives. I like how you said, because sometimes I look back at, uh, at the, uh, I think on college and uh, how college, I think uh, the final cost would have been for me around $48,000 once it all was said and done. I remember going into college with about, uh, I, I worked hard in high school and I had, I was able to put about $10,000 into the bank when I finished high school. And when I graduated college, I had about the same amount in the bank and all things were paid. How does that happen? I liked how you said it. Um, you know, I did what I was supposed to do, you know, and uh, I paid some things and then I don't know what God did. And uh, same thing, work jobs, had some summer ministries, saved my money, and I don't know what God did, but God paid, a lot of, paid out a lot of cash for me. It's not over until God says it's over. Don't give up praying out of a situation. Don't give up praying for marriage reconciliation. Because it is not over until God says it's over. So I just want to encourage you, after hearing, especially after hearing these testimonies, this is a, uh, a passage that's kind of special with a very, 
Very simple, but profound lesson is just, nothing's over until God says it's over. Now again, please, I'm not here to tell you what God's will is in your life. Or I'm not here to tell you what the plan is. I, I have learned way too much that I have no idea what the plan is sometimes when God starts rearranging things in my life. But know this, God knows what's on, going on, so pray on until God says it's over. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us to stay encouraged. Thank you for the testimonies. I feel like these are like, uh, for the rest of us, these testimonies are like the woman with the issue of blood. Just uh, We should be encouraged by what God has done. And so I pray that you would help us to stay restful in what you have done and what you can do. We thank you and we give you glory. We give you credit. We sure don't want to play it to ourselves. We give you credit for the things that you have done. We give you thanks as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.